5 on page 21 if you have a book. And our topic is being ready. Be ready. Be strong in your answer. And the, thir- the verse, the theme verse is, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so 1 Peter 3, verse 13 through 17, I'll read that here in just a moment. And thank you. And our book starts out by saying, in our daily living, we're challenged with opportunities and responsibilities to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to prove by the way we live that we are children of God and we are to be ready. And when we read 1 Peter 3, verse 13 and following, let me read it. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Set apart the Lord God in your hearts. Have him in a special sanctified place in your heart. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. If you're going to suffer, suffer for the right reason. And uh, if someone's upset with you for telling them the truth from the Bible and you're doing it in a meekness and, and a humble heart, it's not your fault if they're upset. They're really upset with God and not you. But uh, as we read these verses, Peter uh, was led of God to pen these words and he was dealing with something that affects all of our lives. Most people speak of readiness as it relates to death. And I think that's true. I think most people, when you talk about are you ready, and it's all about are you ready to die. Um, and being, being prepared to die is important. We need to be saved. Um, but you know what? It's not just being ready for death, uh, which is salvation, but being ready to give account, to give an answer, uh, and uh, to give an account of our stewardship, of what we've done with our lives. I hope that you're not just saved, but that you're ready to stand before the Lord and give an account of what you did with your saved life what you did with your life after you got saved and what you, how you spent it or invested it, your life. And so be ready about that, those things. But then be ready in the here and now, not just after death. But the emphasis of this passage is on being ready to live. Not ready to die, but ready to live. It's so much easier to talk about being ready to die because most of us aren't dying right now. We don't, we're not you know, on, on our deathbed. We need to be ready to live. Are you ready to live for Christ? And we must settle the fact that being ready is a daily matter. We can never know for sure what is going to take place from one moment to the next. And uh, we can look over at James chapter 4 and see that as an example. So um, backing up to James chapter 4, just a few pages, and verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And you know what that's like. You go outside and you breathe uh, in the cold air and there's that breath floating in the air and then poof, it's gone. For what you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. Uh, But verse 14 again, our life is a vapor, it's very short. 
bottom of page 21, it says we must settle the fact that being ready is a daily matter. And we can never know for sure what is going to take place from moment, moment to the next. We must be ready to live for the Lord daily. Um, and that's just, that's just it. Being a, being a pastor is not a Sunday and Wednesday job. Because being a pastor, I'm a pastor every day. And so um, there's qualifications of, of a, that a pastor, pastor is supposed to be the husband of one wife. But I only work on Sunday and Wednesday, so I don't have to be the husband of one wife on Monday and Tuesday, do I? Well, yeah. Uh, being a pastor, thanks, sir. It's, it's an everyday responsibility. Well, you know what? Being a Christian is the same way. You're not just supposed to be a Christian on Sunday. There's a lot of people, I think, that are, quote, unquote, Christians on Sunday. But then by Monday, you can't tell it. Um, that's, not, that's not real Christianity. Uh, being ready is every day. And, and how many of us get a warning ahead of time? about a conversation we're going to get into today or tomorrow. It, it, it's not usually the case. And so being ready at that moment, and, and how many of us can say, boy, I blew it. I was totally just not really walking with the Lord, not just my mind on other things, and poof, I missed an opportunity when a conversation came for me to be ready to give an answer. And so we must be ready to live for Christ in such a way that glorifies and honors him. I'm going to try to turn this on. Bruce, and let me know if it's, how are we doing? Is that better? Good. And so um, I'll give you a, a, a story about what happened yesterday to me as a little, a little story that, that illustrates that in a minute. I'll give that to you. But page 22, three points. Readiness involves preparation. Readiness involves preparation. What is involved in this readiness? Readiness involves preparation. The preparation is salvation. So obviously, number one, you have to be saved. You're not going to be ready for life or death unless you're saved. Many people are sincere, but they're sincerely wrong about salvation. What is going to happen to them? They're going to die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. They're sincere, but sincerity is not enough. Jesus said, you must be born again. We've heard preaching on that recently. You must be born again. There's got to be a new birth. There's got to be something changed. There's no... There's no nobody that can say well i've just always been a christian no there has there's got to be a new birth where there was a new beginning something started that and that is salvation when you trust christ as your savior the box here says the right view of eternity brings to life the proper view of time i love the little chorus in our songbook that says with eternity's values in view don't ever lose sight of eternity because it'll help you focus on what's important in the present um, when you have the right view of what eternity is all about, when you think about heaven and hell and how the, the individuals are going to live there forever, they're going to exist there forever, either in heaven or in hell, uh, the right view of eternity brings to life the proper view of our time and it helps us to prepare and to prepare wisely. Uh, the foolish man built his house on the sand because he wasn't wise and uh, he wasn't pr prepared. But the wise man built his house on the rock. Not only are these people not ready to die, they're not ready to live. So if you're not saved, you're not ready to die. But not only that, you're really not ready to live. You don't know what you're living for. And a lot of people are like that. They're not ready to face the challenges of life. They cannot be ready without the new birth. There are also many people who are saved who are not ready to live. And uh, that's a sad state because if you're saved, you ought to. You, if anybody's got an advantage, it's the Christian ready to really live and follow what God's word is and what God's plan is, what, what his whole purpose is for your life. And so our preparation also involves getting into the word of God each day. 
and walking with the Lord on a daily basis and reading the Bible every day. Look with me over in John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 27. Jesus is talking about his sheep. That's you and I if we're saved. In John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me. I know them, and they know me. They follow me. It reminds me of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. How do we follow the Lord? By reading his word. Get into the Bible and read God's word. And then when it's opened at church, be there so that you're hearing God's word uh, preached. It's, it's a blessing. Whether you admit it or not or even realize it or not, it's a blessing to have a time out where we have preaching from the Bible every day. Um, I went to Montana, so I got it Friday and Saturday. Uh, this is the first day in over a week that I'm not going to listen to Dwight Smith preach. Uh, but you know what? It was all different. It was not the same sermon. It was different, and it was from the Word of God. Saturate yourself in the Bible. Don't skip those times. Um, think of it like food and how that you need good vitamins. And, and, and read God, God's Word on a daily basis. Have a schedule where you're keeping up with a schedule to read God's Word. Real soon, in the next 30-plus days, we're going to be handing out the new calendar for 2022. And in it has a, is a Bible reading schedule. It has a couple different options. You can either do just the New Testament for the year, or you can do the New and the Old Testament together. Uh, and, and there's Proverbs and Psalms, and there's just different ways that you can be reading the Bible every day. The point is, is to read God's Word uh, every day. Uh, it is not necessary that everybody in here reads as much as somebody else in here. I think the older you get, the more mature you are. The bigger your stomach is, the bigger you have a need because you're working harder. A little, a little bird that doesn't work very hard doesn't eat as much as someone like an ox or, or something like that. They're going to eat a lot more. There's, there's just a, a difference in maybe in need, and that has to do with maturity as well. So please don't hear me say, well, I read the Bible through in a year and say to yourself, well, then I have to do that. Well, I think that's a good goal. But it's kind of like walking into Lynn's Dakota Mart and saying, I've got to buy everything in here and I've got to eat it. No, you just have to buy some things in here and make sure you're eating. And the same thing with the Bible. I don't, I don't think it's necessary if you just got saved or that you need to understand Ezekiel right away. Because Ezekiel's kind of a cryptic, deeper book, all right? Um, and so if someone says, what do you recommend, where do you recommend I start reading? I hardly ever say Ezekiel. Or Leviticus, you know, um, I I give them something a little bit easier uh, to to start out with, but good practical things that are going to be good. And the Bible calls it milk versus meat. And so, as a as a young person, a baby, you start out with milk, and then you you get to mature till you start to chew on solid food and and uh, and meat. And that's the direction. But the point is, is that everybody, whether you're a baby Christian, you've been around a long time, saved for a long time, everybody's eating. Everybody is feeding. That's the point. We're all walking with the Lord. We're all feeding on him, and we get to know him uh, like he knows us. As we read his word, we hear the word preached and taught, and, we're, and just make it a habit to be where uh, God's people are. Be where, when the doors are open at church, be there. Uh, when the word of God is open, have it open to read from and to be ready uh, that way. So prep preparation. Otherwise, you're not taking advantage of the salvation you have by not taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, you, there's two ways you can say this, and, and it used to not be so. I mean, it used to not be so even just in a few years ago. 
But I think someone said it, I, I guess it might be true, that we're the only ones that are having a Sunday night service in Custer on a regular basis. There's no reward in heaven for that, as far as I know. There's no blue ribbon. But it used to be that everybody had a Sunday night service, okay? Now, you can say it one of two ways. Yeah, we have Sunday night service, so we have to go back twice. We have to go back tonight. Or you can say, we have Sunday night service, and we've got extra opportunity to hear from the Word of God. It's all about what your priorities are and whether or not you're hungry for the word of God. I think we ought to recognize the opportunities we have and the privileges we have. You know, there are people in other countries, they don't have a Sunday night service, but they also don't have cars. They don't have all the conveniences we have. They don't all have the transportation and, the, and, the, and a meeting place with lights and heat and all that. And uh, their, their reasons for not necessarily doing it the way we do it is different. But shame on us in this country. When we have so much convenience and we don't use it for the right reason, we have to watch football or we have to catch up on whatever is important at home or whatever it might be. Be ready by walking with the Lord and getting in his word every day. And when we have another speaker come, just mark it down on your calendar. I'm going to be there and I'm going to be there as much as I possibly can. I want to get as much out of God's word as I possibly can. So readiness involves preparation. Readiness involves a person. The word of God says in verse 15, back in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And this means that we belong to Christ, that he is, he is number one in our heart. We traveled this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Hannah went with us. And uh, I was teasing Hannah. We were at Pizza Ranch getting lunch. And I said, Hannah, she had just hung up her phone, put her phone down. I said, Hannah, how is John Mark this hour? <laughs> she has John Mark sanctified in her heart. Okay? He's important to her. She's sanctified. Sanctified him in her heart. I don't think anybody blames her for that. But you know what? We need to have Christ sanctified in our heart. He needs to be someone who is set apart. He's special. He has a special place. And we ought to be able to say, how is the Lord in you going, you know, what did you and the Lord talk about this hour, right? How are you all doing this hour? And uh, we, we should have that same type of, of thought process and feeling toward him. And so that's what it means, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. What happens if you're not right with the Lord and if you're just saved but you've gotten away from the Lord is you know information in your head, but he's not sanctified in your heart. And, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, like what happened to me yesterday, I was super tired. And Brother Smith was preaching like sermon number two or three of the event, and it was early yesterday morning. And I slept hard, but not, not enough hours, but I slept hard a Friday night. And I'm sitting there, and he was preaching about Jesus being the Son of God. It was a good sermon. Uh, but I was just kind of sitting there at the invitation, and... and uh, my eyeballs were starting to cross. And all of a sudden, Brother Smith said, hey, Pastor Furs, this young man wants, wants to be saved. Man, I snapped out of it. I went out the door with that young man. We sat down. We started talking. And uh, <clears throat> now, I'm not, I don't feel guilty that, that I was tired. It was, it, was, it was just been a long week. But, you know, there are times spiritually where I'm not ready. And, uh, you know, I've been focusing on something that was carnal or not right or self or whatever it might be and I'm not ready to talk to someone about the Lord because he's not been he's not been sanctified in my heart does anybody understand what I'm saying 
Um, you know, sometimes we get ourselves in a squabble and then realize, good grief, the Lord's no longer number one in my life. I am. Uh, so sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. This means that we belong to Christ and we're to look to him. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 comes right after 11. And Hebrews 12 tells us, looking unto Jesus, verse 2, the author and finisher of our faith. And so keep focused on him, looking to him. We gain strength and encouragement and help when we look to the Lord in the hour of difficulty and suffering. On Facebook this past year and a half with uh, the world being crazy and COVID and all the nutty stuff going on, there's been a really good picture on Facebook once in a while. And it's a picture of Jesus standing on the water saying, don't focus on the storm, focus on me. Which is exactly what the story was about Peter. Peter tried to get out of the boat and walk on the water to Jesus. And he was doing fine until he took his eyes off of Jesus and started noticing the storm. And you and I do the same thing. We take our eyes off of the Lord. He's no longer sanctified, number one. And we start thinking about ourselves. Oh, oh no. And and that's when Peter started to sink. And so we, we have to focus on the Lord and look at him. And when there's a, an hour of difficulty and suffering, keep looking to him. Don't change your mind about that. Don't. Those are just tests. He's bringing tests along our way to see if we're really going to be focused, to see if we're really going to stay uh, true to him. I, I've dedicated some offering for the offering plate. I've dedicated some missions offering. And uh, he might once in a while uh, allow me to have a blown engine or a flat tire to see if I'm going to keep my promise to what I said I was going to do. And I have to decide, am I going to keep focused on him or am I going to start paying attention to the storm? And of course, the the story, the, the parable or the moral of the story is, is that he began to sink when he took his eyes off Jesus and focused on the storm. And so readiness involves keeping your eyes focused on the Lord. What's the big picture? What's most important? What matters? Um, sometimes we get lousy service in a restaurant. But the worst thing we can do is is be ugly about it to the people who are serving us. A lot of times it's not even the server's fault. Same thing with gas prices. It's not the people's fault that work at the gas station what the price is. And we can get ugly and you do that, it's pretty hard to give them a track. Oh, by the way, read this. You know, now that I've been a jerk, um, that's not, it doesn't work. And so keeping your focus on the Lord, being ready involves a purpose it takes preparation to be ready, but it also takes a person to be ready. And so the only way we can live in victory is to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep on, him, on focusing on him. People are going to let us down. They're going to break our hearts. They're going to discourage us. And a lot of times the broken heart come, came because we were focusing on them instead of on him. Um, other people are going to hurt us. They're going to let us down. They're going to discourage us. They're going to uh, disappoint us. But that doesn't mean we have to be defeated because we're focusing on the Lord. We're not focusing on people. Across the page, top of the page, 23. God knows how difficult life can be at times. So I mentioned that Hebrews chapter 12 says, looking unto Jesus, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And they say, if you're going to run a race, focus on something in front of you and don't let, don't lose that focus. If you're going to plow a field, they say, focus on a tree or a rock and just and just plow all the way to it. And look unto Jesus and looking unto him. Well, Hebrews 11 is all about these famous people in the Bible of faith, like Abraham and Isaac and Moses and Gideon. And this great cloud of witnesses that chapter 12, verse 1 says, all these great people in chapter 11. And yet, what verse 2 says, it, what does it say? It says, look to Jesus. Don't, don't focus on Moses or Abraham or Gideon. 
but it's it's about looking to Jesus Christ and him alone. Um, we're not to look to the great cloud of witnesses in heaven. We're not to focus on them as much as to focus on the Lord. Uh, we're to look to him. Don't focus on any other Christian or person. Don't focus on Pastor Matt. He'll let you down. Don't focus on any other Christian. He'll discourage you. They'll, she'll discourage you. Focus on him. Just keep looking to him. Um, my parents had a pastor who got caught stealing money from the church. And it really caused a problem, as it, you can only imagine it would. But thankfully, my parents didn't quit on church because their focus was still on the Lord. They were hurt. They were frustrated. They were devastated, mad. But don't quit church because of what somebody does. I like what my pastor said years ago. He said, you know, we, uh, we had a, uh, a light bulb in a circuit that was out. And uh, <clears throat> I assumed that the power was out because the light bulb was out. And I would, regular, I would look at the light bulb and, and know that the line is running and there's power and current going through the line. But one day the bulb was out and I just assumed the power was out. Guess what? That's not how it works. It could just be the bulb's out. He said, I found out, no, there still is current. I just have to take the bulb and unscrew it and put in a new bulb. And you know, sometimes the bulbs that we focus on go out. They fizzle out. The human beings that we counted on for so long maybe of old age they fizzle out maybe they get caught up in something they shouldn't be caught up in and they fizzle out you know you might you might end up with a pastor that's not very good but you know what that doesn't mean the power is bad you know there's always good power you might just have to get a new pastor i'm not saying that for any reason but the point is is that we need to look to the lord not to the people um so often we want to worship somebody because of how god used them don't do that. Don't, don't worship a person because of how God's using them. Make sure you still focus on the Lord. We're not to look to the great cloud of witnesses because Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one we look to. So readiness involves being prepared. And of course, that means being saved and, uh, and knowing the word of God, following the word of God, and then also just the person, Jesus Christ, to focus on him. And, and, uh, and, and as you walk with him, you become more prepared and more ready for what's going to come, what's going to come your way because you're walking with him, you're reading his word, you're focusing on him, not anybody else. Something bad happens, it doesn't change your plans one bit because you're focused on the Lord. In John chapter number, I'm going to show it to you, John chapter number 12. In John chapter number 12, it says in verse 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. So in John chapter 11, there's this amazing story where Jesus waited four days and then showed up at Lazarus' funeral and then said, Open up the tomb. And he yelled, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of the grave. And they have to unwind all his grave clothes off of him, and he's alive. I mean, everyone, four days, and uh, it it was so it was so incredible and so impactful that the Pharisees wanted to kill Lazarus because he was like a walking billboard of what Jesus could do. In John chapter twelve, it says in verse one that he's back there at their house, and Lazarus, who had just who was dead but now was alive, was there. 
And there they made him a supper, and Martha served, and Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. You know, the dead guy that's now alive. And then took Mary a pound of ointment and spikenard very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, and guess who it was? Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. She has been saving this for me. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Now, I show you this story because I want you to think about something. In John chapter 11, when Jesus said, roll away the stone, you know, open the tomb up because I'm going to bring Lazarus back out. And Martha, Mary's older sister, Martha said, oh, don't open up the tomb. It's been four, he's been dead four days. He stinks. By now he stinks. And uh, he's corrupting. His body is decaying. Don't, and uh, she, she complained about that and and yet Jesus didn't listen to her. He opened the tomb and, he, and Lazarus came forth and he didn't stink. But, you know, one of the reasons why he stunk is because they didn't embalm him and they didn't wrap him up with a bunch of spices to hide the stink. But somebody could have. Somebody named Mary saved this very expensive ointment that can be used for burial. In fact, Jesus said, she's saved this for my, for my burial. She saved it. Now, you think about it. She's probably set this special ointment aside. It's worth a lot of money, it says in chapter 12. And then, boom, her brother dies. And now she's got a decision to make. I saved this special ointment for Jesus, but I didn't know my brother was going to die. Should I use it on my brother? She didn't. She didn't. He stunk, or he should have. I hope you understand my point. She kept focused on what that was for. That's for Jesus. But your own brother, maybe Martha's like, Mary, I can't believe you're not going to use that special, that special burial ointment for our own brother Lazarus. I've saved it for Jesus. And, and, and by the way, it's a good thing that she saved it for Jesus because it would have been a complete waste if she had used it on Lazarus. He's only dead for four days. I hope you understand that when I read that years ago, I, it, it jumped out at me because sometimes... We, we mean good, but then we get a test come. We get a test, and we take what we meant good, and we say, well, God, and we take it, and we use it for the wrong thing. It's kind of like that boy with the, the two silver dollars that was skipping along the road to church. And his, and, uh, his mom said, one's for ice cream after church, one's for the offering plate. And he's skipping along the road, and all of a sudden, one flies out of his hand and goes right into the gutter and into the drain and it's gone and he stands there with the other one in his hand and looks down at the hole and says well God you saw where yours went didn't you and that's what Mary could have done with this special ointment she could have said well you can't expect me to save it for Jesus now I mean my brother but she did I mean you look at the timing she did she in chapter 12 is using this ointment on Jesus and she didn't use it on Lazarus and a lot of us fail this <clears throat> because we we're not ready 
and we, we need to recognize some things are a test. And, and she passed this test, and her brother came back to life, and, and she anointed Jesus as a faith. She knew Jesus was going to die. She knew he was, he was born to die, and she recognized that, and she anointed. And Jesus said, she's done this for the day of my bearing. She's recognized who I am. She, you always see Mary. She's a special. She just, had a, she just knew stuff. She's always at Jesus' feet, um, and she knew him and understood him. I hope that uh, you recognize how important it is that we focus on Christ and not on ourselves. I every week I put something in the offering plate. Every week I plan to be in church, and every week I have challenges just like anybody else. And there's temptations to use use that time for something else, or use that offering for something else, to use what I want to do, you know, do what I want to do for something else. And that's those things have to be recognized as you know what I need to be ready. I need to stay ready and focus on the Lord and not get sidetracked on something else. Third point: readiness involves purity. Readiness involves being prepared, being saved. Readiness involves Jesus, but then readiness involves a purity as well. We go back to First Peter chapter 3, and it says in verse 16, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, may be, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. It's important that we're right with God and we're right with everybody. That we have a good conscience. That whereas they speak evil of you, they have to be ashamed. Because your, your testimony, your, 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 that word conversation isn't just about your mouth. It's about your whole life, your whole lifestyle. Your lifestyle, your testimony is obvious. Your reputation is obviously... Uh, not backing up the gossip that people are trying to say about you. So when they speak evil of you, it doesn't fly, it doesn't fit. Have you ever been falsely accused of something? Ultimately, we have to live with what we know to be true about ourselves. and We have to just let God deal with, with the truth and take care of it when false accusations start flying around. This is why God says we're to have a good conscience. If I'm not right with the Lord, I'm not going to be ready. If I, if I've got a coworker, you know, I work, I I work at a job besides being a pastor. I drive a school bus. If I've got a coworker that I'm wrong with and I'm wrong to, and I'm not being a good testimony or example, then I'm not ready when they ask, you know, have a need or have a question or something like that because I've been a poor example and a poor testimony. And we have to be aware of whether or not we're being having a good conscience, whether or not we're a good employee or a bad employee. Uh, and whether or not we are we are clean in our conscience from anything that we're doing or shouldn't be doing. First Timothy chapter four says it this way. Back up a few pages. First Timothy chapter four. And verse twelve: Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. There's the word purity. Uh, what if a teenager is, is being filthy or dirty and innuendos and just things going on behind the scenes and then he's in church and this friend that he's been running around with, their family decides to come into church and that 
unsaved friend sees the Christian kid who's been talking dirty or doing stuff he ought not be doing. That's just a poor testimony. You're not ready to be a witness. You're not ready to be able to say, hey, let me show you from the Bible uh, what I know because it's a bad test. It's, there's hypocrisy there. Um, if you're trying to share with someone their need to be saved, but your own life doesn't have that testimony of of being a uh, having a good conscience and being right and having a good conversation, you're gonna you're gonna fail. There's gonna be a lack of readiness there. So readiness involves purity, being right with other people as well. So good conscience and good conversation go together. A good conversation, good lifestyle, backing up what you say you believe. I think it's a blessing to be in a small town because in a small town you know that everybody knows stuff. And uh, it's easier to hide in a big town or a big church. Um, and, and a lot of people hide uh, in population and they get away with things or at least they think they are. But if you're going to be ready, you, you're going to have to be pure. What I love about being pure is you don't have to remember what, what lie you're supposed to tell next. You don't, you don't have to remember what game you were playing or what, what fraud you were pulling on. If you're just right, you're just right. You don't have to worry about uh, who you're trying to fool or you know, whether or not they, they're, your, your story's backing up what you're doing. We cannot be ready if we do not have a good conscience. The person who lives a lie cannot have peace in his heart. We cannot keep people from saying things that are not true, but we can live right before God and know in our hearts that what we are saying that what they are saying is not true. And so we must live pure lives in order to be ready. When we are ready and we answer, we are to do it in meekness and fear. Look back at verse number 15. 1 Peter three fifteen: Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We need to remember to be meek in our answer. Um, my pride and arrogance has to just go. It just has to go. It, it, it just has to go. Um, I, 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 can't, I can't be helpful to anybody if I'm proud and arrogant. And so when someone asks me, a question. I need to be very humble and very gracious and meek. And fear, I think, is the idea of respect and reverence, is that you're, this is important, this is serious. It's not about me. It's about them. It's about what they need. It's about what the Lord wants for them. And so we need to be pure. I'm thankful yesterday morning that even though I was just really tired, that Brother Smith said, hey, Pastor Furs, this young man just raised his hand. Would you take him outside and talk to him? Didn't know anything about this young man. He's from northeast Montana. And uh, don't know anything about him. He was sitting with a group of kids from that church there and uh, said, sure. I didn't know that Brother Smith had been talking to him Friday night for, for, for quite a while. And he knew about him, but I didn't. I didn't know any of his background. So I just assumed that this young man, clean cut, nice kid, I assumed that he was from the church there and that his parents probably went to church there because he just looked really, you know, clean cut and sharp. And I just thought, you know, this seemed like a nice kid. And, and he's 14, 15, 16 years old, somewhere in there. And, and so we just sat down. I said, so you don't think you're saved? And he said, no, I don't think I am. Not, not knowing that he had just been talking with 
Dwight Smith the night before and with his leader that, that brought him. And so I went through the plan of salvation and talked about salvation being uh, the gift of God, not of works. And, uh, and he said, I, I said, what makes you think you're going to heaven? How do you get to heaven? He said, well, I, do you have to repent of your sins? I said, no, repent of your sins is not how you go to heaven, but you have to repent of the sin of unbelief. You can't trust in anything but just the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing you can trust in. You can't trust in anything else but him. Uh, he said, well, I have been baptized. I said, you know, and I'm, I'm a little confused because it just seems like he knows a lot of things. And so, uh, because nobody's, nobody's filled me in on this guy. So uh, I said, well, baptism doesn't save you. You know, and I said, there's a lot of people in hell that got baptized. Uh, I said, you know, we're going we're gonna to baptize somebody at our church, but they got saved, and now they're getting baptized. I said, my dad was baptized when he was a baby, but he wasn't even a believer. And so it doesn't matter how many times you get baptized. That's not what saves you. And, and so I went through the gospel message and the plan of salvation and uh, all of sin, the wages of sin is death. Second death is lake of fire. The gift of God, though, is eternal life. And I set out a pen. I said, Can, you know, imagine this was a gold pen. And I was laying it on the table, and I said, all you have to do is to reach down, Brian, and just take it, and it's yours. But you look at it, and then you just walk off, and you don't take it. Then it's not yours. It should be yours, but you didn't take it. So the salvation that Jesus has for us has to be received. It has to be a gift that you receive, and there can be no strings attached. He'll not take it back from you once you receive him. And uh, so we went through the gospel, and I prayed, and then he bowed his head and prayed quietly, and and I asked him if he trusted Jesus as his Savior, and he said he did. And, uh, and so then, I, uh, somewhere after that, I said, now, now make sure you tell your mom and dad, you know, because, again, I'm assuming that he's from this church. He wasn't from their church. He came with them. They have a Christian school, and he goes to the Christian school, but he does not go to their church. He said, well, I don't know what my mom and dad's going to think because they're Latter-day Saints. I was just like, whoa. And so I was like, okay, let's review all this again. Because I was, I, I, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't have that information. But you know what? What I didn't know is that Dwight had talked to him Friday night. His leader from the school had been talking to him. And, and he, was, he was ready Saturday morning to talk to someone about salvation and get saved. Um, now, I want to tell you, I'm so glad that I wasn't like, staying up three o'clock in the morning watching movies or doing stupid stuff or just totally you know not with it i'm glad that i was ready um the same thing happened thursday night we had somebody come in and after church i just sat down with him and started talking to him about the gospel and he prayed for salvation as well thursday night here i wasn't expecting that i, I kind of thought he was already saved but being ready being ready and always being ready and being ready to give an answer, to being ready to talk to people. I had no idea that young man was a Mormon. No idea. Uh, but God knew. And, uh, and God just wanted me to be there at that time and be ready. But what happens when we're not ready? What happens when we're not where we're supposed to be, when we're out of position, when we're not, you know, we show up, but we're not there. You know what I mean? We're not mentally and spiritually there. We're just not ready we have to be ready and recognize that God wants to use us in those times. And there'll be times, there'll be, there'll be a conversation happen. I mean, I, I guarantee you there's people that can raise their hands and say, yep, one day all of a sudden out of the blue, I started having a conversation. I had no idea I was going to have that conversation. You've got to be ready. 
And that means we've got to walk with the Lord. We've got to be right with the Lord. You can't just know stuff. You can't just go, all right, well, I went through the six-week class, and so now I'm ready. No, ready is an everyday thing. Ready is not just an education in your head. It's, it's a sanctification in your heart. That's why it says, sanctify the Lord in your heart and be ready always. So that someone can say, so how is Jesus this hour? Just like, how is John Mark this hour? How is Jesus and you this hour? How are y'all, are you ready? Are you constantly in communication? That's the idea here. So that's, that's desire to have those conversations. That's desire to be ready so that people can be used um, and, uh, and uh, be influenced. There's a young man, lives in Pringle somewhere. I met him at our biker booth this summer with his dad. I don't remember his name. But I met him at the biker booth and we talked. And I said, you need to come to church. And he's never come. His dad, him and his dad never come. But I was standing outside my school bus a couple months ago. And he, he, there he was. He was standing next to Ann's bus because he rides the Pringle bus. And, and he said, hey. And I recognized his face. Hey, how you doing? I said, you need to come to church. He said, yeah. And then, and then Ann said, ask him what time is church. So I said, 9.30 and 10.45. And then Ann came to church. You know, uh, be ready. You never know how God's going to use you and what he might have you to do and, and the channel that he's going to use you. But be ready and be focused. Stay in tune with the Lord so he can use you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the day. Thank you for uh, the opportunity we have for being in church and to see someone baptized and hopefully that it would impact others to, that need to turn to you and be baptized after their salvation. I pray that you would help us to as each individual be ready we get so easily in the flesh and, and selfish and, and then we're not ready and we say the wrong things and we do the wrong things we go the wrong places help us to be ready help us to be focused so that you're sanctified in our heart and we're just ready for whatever you have for us or whoever you want us to talk to and may that be the case for us in Jesus name we ask amen